of day 327 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. We find ourselves in the middle of the book of Acts where uh, we see, and, and of course the early title of this book was the Acts of the Apostles, probably more accurately described as the Acts of Christ Jesus in his church through the Holy Spirit. And while a few people are highlighted, you know, like Peter and, and Paul and, uh, you know, Philip, I, you know, I, Really what is being highlighted is, is how God is preserving, sustaining, growing, and, and causing his church to flourish, even in the middle of persecution. Uh, so we continue in that story, and here the story of the church is about to launch in the whole new dimension. As uh, we begin in Acts, you know that you'll take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the outermost parts of the earth. And so that is the part of the story uh, we're in right now, is it? extends beyond the borders of Judea to the rest of the world. Acts chapter 13. Uh, before we read, Katie, you mind lifting us up in prayer? Yeah. Father, thank you for um, these accounts. Thank you that we get to see you at work um, through your people and how you have um, just set about to, to do um to do what you want to do. And it's all so beautiful and wonderful and encouraging to us who read it. And so God, as we read together as your, your church, as your body, um, would you be at work in us and would, would you soften our hearts to, um, to receive these words, um, but also, um, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So, um, would we be, Gracious, um, would we be salt and light in this world because of your work in us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 13. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up in Her with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Two of them sent uh, on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet by the name of Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. Proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, a sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. When Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. The proconsul saw what happened. He believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Perga, they went on to the city in Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. 
And the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He led them out of that country for about 40 years. He endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. And the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testifies concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I'm not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that the message of salvation has been sent. People of... Uh, excuse me. Uh, the people of Jerusalem... And their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried all, all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. And God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. And God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So as is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. And when David had served God's purposes and own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. I'm going to do something in your days that you'd never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. The congregation was dismissed. Many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Now we turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. The Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, of course, we see them doing what Jesus told uh, the disciples to do as they go into a town where the message is rejected, to shake the dust off their feet or to wipe the dust uh, from the, as a testimony against them. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of continuity with the gospel. And of course, you see how the Old Testament story has uh, become a much richer story now that you understand everything that the Old Testament is pointing to in the person of Christ uh, as the one who was the true Son of God, uh, of the Father. And the one who not only would not see decay, but has rescued us from decay uh, as well. So you have to love the wonderful way that the story is becoming richer to Paul and richer to everyone you know who hears it. And I guess we're starting. This would possibly be Luke's kind of first extended sermon or message of Paul that we've kind of seen mm-hmm. in Acts. So we've we've heard that he was speaking boldly and was preaching fearlessly, and then to see him doing that here in this moment is just so cool. And to know that. He knew so much about the Old Testament, but obviously, just like many of the Jews you see here, didn't see it pointing to Jesus. And yet in his conversion, it had to be so cool for him, I imagine, to see all that starting to make sense. And all these things, he's pulling out all these Old Testament, right, and, and pointing it towards Christ. Wow. And so what a, just with a cool culmination of, of the whole story up to this point, and now seeing a guy who likely knew Scripture so well, now truly understanding what it was speaking yeah. of. And we've had some nice, you know, sermons. You know, Peter on the day of Pentecost uh, rehearses the history of Israel and you know calls people to repentance. And of course, Stephen, you know, as he's being stoned, has you know a remarkable, you know, recollection of the history of Israel. And we hear you know Paul doing this. And of course, this is uh, the same way as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you know, we we know that Jesus didn't speak for just fifteen minutes. So you have just kind of part of. Uh, the story, but you have several sermons, you know, through the book of Acts that just show how the Old Testament has come together wonderfully. We'll have one in Acts 17 uh, where you have, you know, uh, Paul speaking to uh, Greeks who do not have an Old Testament background, and so he speaks of the God of creation, uh, you know, and, and all of that. But you, you just different ways that the, that the same gospel message is preached to different people as a part of their story, inviting them into a new story. Mm-hmm. You have to love the posture that Paul Paul has when he begins to preach, right? Verse 16, he stands up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, Paul's I mean, smiling right now, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. It's like a threatening smile. Though. It's not. <laughs> like, let's record this over. Um, I, I love, you know, this incredible, this rehearsal of the gospel story. I wonder what it. Jesus would have done in the same same situation. You, know, you, you took Jesus into a synagogue. Yeah. And I'd wonder whether we're ever called to be followers of Paul or followers. But anyway, that, that, that's just a, <laughs> curious little things to meditate about, you know, yeah. in the background of this. I'm just pointing out what's in the text. Oh, um, maybe. You have something serious to say? Or? Yeah. Verse 44. <laughs> I, I do love, you know, he's rehearsed this whole gospel story, showing them from um, the Old Testament how God is is fulfilling all these promises. And, um, and then verse 44, you know, you have on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, this isn't just Paul doing something spectacular. This is this is God doing something spectacular as the gospels preached, you know, drawing men and women to Himself to hear the word, and, and then also you know bringing about response. And so I, I love the word of the Lord. You know, is spreading throughout the whole region. You have to love that little note that we get in mm-hmm. verse forty-nine. That as the gospels proclaimed, it's the word that's doing the work. You know, God is doing the work through the Word, and so the Word is spreading. And again, we get another marker, you know, that it's the disciples were full of this time joy 
and, and the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and just another great mark of what's happening in the life of the church. Well, you know, there's something that's vividly illustrated in a way that uh, Luke, you know, gives us, you know, these progress reports where he talks about how, you know, even as they receive the gospel, what are they, they're doing? They're honoring the word of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the writer of Hebrews tells us, you know, that it is living and it is active. Uh, but the word of God is, uh, you know, far more than a word about God as a word that comes from God and is representative of, you know, God himself. And so his word is at, at, at work in us. And, and sometimes we can treat it as a source of information where it really is, uh, you know, a source, you know, a source of life, supernaturally empowered, you know, by the Holy Spirit. So we come to this book in a way that is so much different you know, from anything else, but you'll just notice this quite little things, how the Word of God is flourishing and how it's prospering and how uh, the Word of God is so deeply associated with God we can speak of them almost, you know, as synonyms, mm-hmm. you know, of one another and the work of Christ. I just can't help but think of when Jesus said, you have um, eyes but do not see, you'll have ears but not hear. And here we have an example of that. Just people, we have who God has appointed, according to verse, verse 48, um, to appointed for eternal life and believed, but we also have those who are not believing, who are not hearing the word of God um, and honoring the word of God. Um, and so it's just the sovereignty of God and who he's chosen to to trust in him. And um, it just lets me, it just reminds me that He's he is in control of that, not me, but you know, I have a message and he's called me to share it. Uh, and it's not up to me who, who listens and believes that, you know. And sometimes that thought is a little troubling to us. And we yeah. know if it is a little troubling to us, we've not understood the grace of our Lord or the sovereignty of our Lord or the power of, power of our Lord. Uh, you know, the, the scripture gives this to us for our comfort and our encouragement. And if we're discouraged and discomforted by it, uh, we, we, we haven't looked beyond it to see the magnificence of the one uh, who holds us sovereign in his hands. And that's what we, re- we rejoice in. Uh, we know who the sovereign God is, so we trust him with the way that he wields his sovereignty. And mm-hmm. we know that it's good, we know that it's perfect, and we know that's pleasing. Mm-hmm. And we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that in, in his presence. Father, we thank you for another week in your word. We thank you for uh, the beauty of who you are. And we do thank you that uh, we, we don't simply worship a sovereign God. We worship a sovereign God who is good. Mm-hmm. And we thank you that in everything you do, you are working together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And we trust that power in the hands of no one save you one who is perfect in every attribute, in every grace, and in every mercy. And we thank you that we have been recipients of that grace and mercy according to your sovereign plan. Amen. Amen.